Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up. So we made it our name. And we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, the San Diego Chargers of the late 70s and early 80s were ahead of their time, setting records along the way. But why didn't they ever win a Super Bowl? Some would say because of their defense. But that's not entirely accurate. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, it's Tuesday. Let's get this show on the road, road on the show, however you want to say it. I'm a little bit too loud. Hey, guys, welcome in. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. It's cool if you already know this stuff, but this show isn't for you. It's for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we're here to do three things. That is to enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Billy of Sports. The Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. You can catch all of our shows, especially this one, on our home base of Spreaker. That's S P R E A K E R. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, the ones that most of you guys use, Google Podcasts as well, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, if you like that. Of course, everybody loves YouTube, all right? I'm just not on there yet. I'm still just uh, audio only. <laughs> we're gonna move. We're gonna move to something new eventually. Um, I, I, last week, I think I might have said week five. Uh, maybe I said week six. I have to go back and listen to it again. I always proof listen to my show, but that's just something I saw in my notes from last week. I may or may not have said it right. But that's okay. Let's go ahead and get this show started. Let's start it off with the rundown. Week 7. All right. Huh? Uh, week 7. All right. So Thursday night football, Amazon. Uh, man, y'all got to do something about this. Um, you know, being able to watch it on TV. It just jumps too much. Maybe it's just me. But I just heard other people say the same thing. I have to watch it on my phone almost in order to 
get the full experience or on my iPad. It's just on my TV. It's just not working like it should. Maybe it's me. Anyway, New Orleans at Arizona. So I'm watching the game and the Cardinals, they just tied it up at 14. I go to the bathroom. Yeah, just a couple of minutes. I come out and the Cardinals are up 28 to 14. Yeah, two pick sixes. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, what the heck happened? What did I miss? You know, but uh, they go on to win the game 42 to 34. You know, the Saints put on, put a little pressure on them at the end. But Andy thought, oh my God, he was looking so good at the beginning of the game. What happened? Yeah, he just went Andy Dalton, I guess. But if you didn't see Sunday morning countdown uh, on ESPN, if you didn't see that, I mean, wow. Uh, the Marco Wilson front fit, uh, flip with him in the background on his pick six while Andy Dalton is in the foreground turning around with his head like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. Come on, man. <laughs> Atlanta at Cincinnati. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, Joe freaking Burrow. He put all of those Atlanta Falcons, man, they, he put them to bed. He sent them home early. Uh, well, I mean, they weren't, the Falcons fans weren't, they weren't, they were in Cincinnati. <laughs> but my goodness, they put them, to, he put the Falcons defense to bed early. And I can still smell them from Nashville. Yeah, y'all got roasted. Roasted, roasted. Burrow had what 345 yards in the first half of those 481 that he threw. Man, yeah, that that was that's all. I need. What else I need to say? Blowout city, Detroit at Dallas. So my brother, he, he's 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 a struggling Dallas Cowboys fan, and we yes, I have to admit, um, you know, we were we kept caught a little bit of the game on red zone on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I turned it on for a second. We was in the video room, and he's like, you know, golly, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> Dak Prescott is his first week back, and he's having to knock, knock off that rust. I, he got, he shook it off eventually. He threw a touchdown pass. Zeke had a scare. You see him get hit and flipped. I thought he was hurt for real, but and he rushed for two touchdowns. Uh, the defense did their thing. Five sacks and two picks. Okay, at one point the Detroit Lions were one and one this year, and they actually looked like a team that was going to be okay. And it was kind of like last year; it was like, okay, they could get over this hump losing these close games. Nah, they're, now they're just bad. Worst defense in the league, um, and they have those great draft picks in the first round, like Jeff Okuda and Aiden Hutchinson, and they even found the late guy. You know what? They call him Rodrigo. Yeah, that defense is definitely going to cost Aaron Glenn his job it is I hate saying it I don't want to see it I mean we just got through watching what the hard knocks and you kind of get close to these guys and it's like oh oh ooh. you know when something bad happens to them and it's like well you know can't say you didn't see that coming Green Bad Washington with Matt LaFleur first got that job in Green Bay honestly I was thinking about what was going to look like at the end I did without Aaron Rodgers. Well, it, after he finally retired, well, they're already on the struggle bus with Aaron Rodgers. They can't get anything done on offense, and the receivers are dropping like flies. Yeah, they lost um, Cobb with last week and Lazard this week, and, and Lazard is actually the third receiver to go down during this losing streak. And you know, Brett Favre Jr. Jr. He comes in. He he was shaky at first and. He leads Washington to a win. They, they win the football game. 
just there's no excuses there right there's no excuses there you got you got to do something uh, i don't know what's going on with that offense even them running the football just looks so much better early on yeah it's in the tape it's in the tape anyway just moving on indianapolis they were here in tennessee my pops was at the game i'm sure he he enjoyed himself the titans <laughs> speaking of, on the other hand they have won their fourth straight game while the green bay packers have lost their third straight game so they got the brew out on the colts they swept the season series you know 2-0 derrick henry again he carries the ball 30 times he has to touch at least 20 for the titans to have a chance at winning the number has been put out there he had 128 yards didn't didn't score but that's okay ryan tanny hill he gets hurt he's in a walking walking boot afterwards i'm guessing he's going to be okay unless you know you're going to go with malik willis for a week we'll see what happens tennessee um they did all their scoring mostly uh in the first half in the second half they got outscored again the defense had to save them again what else is new but the news was not good for matt ryan if you haven't heard already he had the shoulder sprain during the game but as for now he ain't got to worry about it you got plenty of time to heal because you're not the starting quarterback anymore they're going to start sam ellinger you know the boy from texas uh frank wright uh he i read on, on espn.com he said it's not all his fault which it's not it's a you know it's, it's a team thing but there's this is the part that you cannot ignore this is the elephant in the room Matt ryan leads the league in interceptions with nine He's tied for the lead in the league with league worst 24 sacks. Now, is that really his fault? You can say yes and no, but you have to go play by play. But 24 sacks, that's a lot. And he leads the league with 11 fumbles. That's his problem. That's your problem. You got to protect the football better. And he's lost three of those. Man, one week you're throwing the game winning touchdown pass, and two weeks later you're holding the clipboard. Mm. But maybe, just maybe, well, maybe not. Tampa Bay at Carolina. I mean, Maybe they're having a better week than the Buccaneers. The Bucs, I don't know what's going on with them. And personally, I feel like Bruce Arians saw a hole in that power ship a long time ago. That's the reason why he said, I'll just go up here and basically kind of not have uh, the responsibility. I'm going to give this to Todd Bowles. Let you handle this thing. And then Carolina, they, 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 it was not very competitive. I mean, the season, almost in a nutshell, was what's going on, what you saw on Sunday. Fournette can't get anything. Leonard Fournette all of a sudden can't run the football. Tom Brady, at times he can be inaccurate, but then at this, and I'm wondering, you know, those line, those linemen he was yelling and cussing at last week uh, on film, I'm wondering if they're thinking, okay, so can we cuss you out and get on your case for throwing a pick or whatever? Well, you know, sometimes he can't be to blame when Mike Evans is juggling the football going down the field and he's wide open. I mean, it, it's, it's not helping. It's not looking good. They are three and four right now, and they are reeling. Cleveland at Baltimore. Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens, they almost blew another double-digit lead. They were, what, up 23 to 13 or something like that. Uh, Mark Cooper, he catches a touchdown pass, but an obvious pass interference. He pushes off. And Kate York, he ends up missing a 60-yard field goal that should have been shorter had not been for a false start penalty. And that attempt, that attempt was blocked. And the Baltimore Ravens, they preserve, they preserve, excuse me, a 23-20 win. The Browns have now lost four straight games. Hmm. All right, this is going to be really short. 
Giants at the Jaguars. Apparently, the Giants had never won in Jacksonville. Talk one up for Brian Dayball and that uh, that squad. They are. Uh, they only have one loss, people. One loss. They're six and one. I, I don't know if I can say the same thing about the other team in New York. I mean, they're still they still won in Denver, going to the afternoon slate. Jets at the Denver Broncos. The Jets got the win in Denver, but they saw suffered a loss. Uh, Brees Hall. Uh, they also lost. Oh my goodness, I gotta remember how to say that kid's name um, for the New York Jets. Brees Hall. You see, one 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 minute, you know, he's he's doing his thing, and then the next minute, he's being walked to the cart, and the cart is never good <laughs> when you're walking to the cart. And apparently, he had tore up his knee. Yeah, that's that's not good. So, uh, and then on top of that, one of their um, budding stars, young stars, Elijah Vera Tucker on the offensive line, he's he's done uh, for the season, apparently. So, you know, that's that's not good for their offense. They trade last night during Monday Night Football uh, for uh, James Robinson, who, you know, was with the Jaguars for a fifth-round pick. And let's just see, you know, what happens if they can keep pace offensively. Uh, Vegas, they hosted the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. They hosted the Houston Texans. Uh, the Raiders, they got their second win of the season. Finally. Woo! Uh, they were trailing Houston 20-17 to going into the fourth. Three straight touchdowns later, including a pick six to sew it all up. They got a 38-20 to win. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a beast. Yeah, contract year. Mm. Kansas City at San Francisco. Super Bowl 54 rematch. It was 28-16 to heading into the fourth quarter. The Chiefs lead. Jimmy G throws a touchdown to George Kittle, and it's 28-23. You got some hope, right? If you're a 49ers, right? 49ers fan. Then the bottom fall of the box, it just falls out on the ground on San Francisco. They were 6-0 at home. They lost 44-23, and, you know, the Chiefs, they, they ran it up. Kyle Shanahan is now 1-30 when trailing by three, heading into the fourth quarter. That's not good. And the loss gives the Niners their second in a row. Oh, yeah, by the way, Christian McCaffrey, he was all right in his 49ers debut. Seattle at... Yeah, SoFi Stadium, the L.A. Chargers. Uh, D.K. Metcalf, he got carted to the uh, locker room again, but not to go to the bathroom. He had a knee injury, and they said it doesn't require surgery. They don't have a timetable for his return. But I'm proud of Geno. They get another win. That's not a game I thought that they would go into uh, and win. Um, the Chargers, they got to get it together. Uh, I think they're kind of sleepwalking right now offensively they looked a little bit better than they did the um on monday night football against the um against the broncos defense but i mean they got some work to do they have some work to do uh they got some injuries to deal with uh they they lost a corner things jc jackson he blew up a knee and uh let's see what happens with mike williams with that high ankle sprain Hmm, got to keep a close eye on that. Sunday Night Football, Pittsburgh at Miami. I got a Miami fan that could not wait to get to work. Uh, and he showed me a, pic, a picture that he saw on Facebook of Kenny Pickett. They, they put picked off on the jersey. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. Very funny. It is to laugh. Uh, but look, it was 13 to nothing early. I'm thinking, well, I mean, I'm not surprised. But Pittsburgh has to play better. Okay, I'm helping my sister move. 
And in the midst of that, I have my phone on and I'm I'm watching the game the whole time. And I'm like, okay, well, and this this but here it is. You know, you have what two, three drives and you're looking good. Second half is when the story is really told because of adjustments. And the Steelers almost pulled it off. I mean, we lost the game. The, 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 the Steelers lost the game. And basically, the Dolphins turned into the Tennessee Titans in the second half. They got outscored, but it took interceptions from their defense, just like the Titans, to save the day. Tua, um, stop diving head first, please. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to see that. And look, I, they're rookies. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. I mean that the names are they're set up for success and failure. Uh, you know, more so failure on Kitty Pickett's name. Uh, but I mean, it is what it is. The guy, I think the guy is he's not ready, obviously, just yet. He's a rookie, but he's gonna be good. He's gonna be good. So is George Pickens. Monday night football, the Chicago Bears at New England. The Bears party at Gillette Stadium. I'm guessing the fact that Bill Belichick was tied with George Hallis in all-time wins at 324 may have had something to do with it. Maybe not, I mean, maybe not all. I mean, it's like, oh, we're not going to allow this to happen tonight. They're not going to pass the pop-up air. Uh, uh, return of the back. Return of the back. Yeah. Nah, that that lasted, what, a couple of drives before uh, Bailey Zappi got called. And, you know, Zappi already has a cheerleading section in Gillette but I wonder they, they got real silent there towards the end of the game who thought that that was going to happen to New England on Monday Night Football there um, after a pick and a kick to a Bears defensive backs uh, meet and two veg you know that's when um, your man Mac Mac and Cheese Matt Jones he ended up on the bench and Bailey Zappi comes in but it didn't work he turned the football over himself. Uh, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, they ran the football down the Patriots' throats well over 200 yards last night. Uh, at one point, Chicago's down 14 to 10, and then they scored the next 23 points. And then that was it. It was a wrap. Bill Belichick, he'll have to wait another week to pass Hallis for number two in all-time wins. All right, so last week I called us fans offensively spoiled, and we should be. It's more exciting watching offense. I'm sorry. I mean, we understand a nice little defensive battle, but we want to see some scoring. We don't want to see field goals all the time. You know, no shade to the kickers, but uh, especially for those who who kick where they're hurt. Um, but uh, we've seen numbers go through the roof for years due to rule changes. But there are some offenses in the history of the league that were way ahead of their time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.
course, last week, we, you know, Russell Wilson didn't play. He didn't play um, Sunday because he was nursing the hamstring. We've talked about here in the last couple weeks, it's just a storyline. Uh, the Broncos' struggles and the expectations these days for their offense. I mean, a lot of that may have something to do with their contract. I mean, especially with the fans in Denver. But truth be told, last Monday night, the Broncos lost a tough one to the Chargers in which quarterback Justin Herbert, he threw 57 times without a touchdown pass. That's the most attempts without a touchdown in league history. Of course, fantasy football-wise, that destroyed me. I had Herbert and I had Austin Eckler, and I only needed a couple more points, and I think I lost by like three. And I mean, all the passes he kept throwing to Eckler, and he kept losing yards. It was just it was infuriating. I'm like, please, somebody get in the end zone. It didn't happen. I lost. whoop de doo uh, <laughs> There you go. No one else, though, in the history of the NFL was known for throwing the football uh, like that Chargers franchise was early on, especially in the late, or the late 70s and the early 80s. But you have to go all the way even to the days of the AFL. Just a little short history kick to music. We know them now as the Los Angeles Chargers. They started in 1960, of course, in the AFL. A year later, they moved from L.A. to San Diego, where they spent the next 56 years. All right, now they're in SoFi Stadium, back in L.A. Sid Gilman, who was the coach at the time, he was busy leading the Chargers to five AFL title game appearances, including the championship in 1963, Okay. The first six years of their existence, that's what they did. In that same amount of time, going back to 1961, the coach of the San Diego State University Aztecs at the time was one Don Coryell. His first year was in 1961. He coached the Aztecs for 12 years, 12 seasons. He compiled a record of 104 and 21. Three undefeated teams he had, seven of them won titles, and they were between the California Collegiate Athletic Conference and then it became the Pacific Coast Athletic Association. All right. He coached future NFL players such as Haven Moses, Willie Buchanan. Haven Moses played for what the Broncos. Willie Buchanan, I believe he's a Packer Hall of Famer. Brian Sype, quarterback of the Cardiac Kids. I think he co he quarterbacked the, the Cleveland Browns, right? Isaac Curtis, who was with the Cincinnati Bengals. And he had two actors. How about that? Two actors. Fred Dreyer for the Rams, and even Carl Weathers. We know him as Apollo Creed. <laughs> yeah, so that figures. He even had Joe Gibbs on his coaching staff. Same Joe Gibbs who coached the Washington football team. So, Coryell had been named the head coach. His first head coaching job in the NFL was in 1973 with the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember, if you listen, their 26-game losing streak, in 1977, well, they got their first win in franchise history against the New Orleans Saints. And consequently, that was Hank Stram's last game. He was fired after that game. Uh, and the second game, that same season, they won their last two games, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. They beat Coryell and his Cardinals. That got him fired. The Cardinals finished 7-7 seven and seven in 1977. Now, the year before the Chargers finished six and eight that same season uh, well, excuse me in 1976 the head coach was tommy Prothrow. okay the trigger man of that team was a 1973 third round pick out of the university of oregon go ducks 
Dan Fouts. As the story goes, Fouts had doubled his numbers from 76, all right, taking over for the aged John Hadle. He did so in 1976 under a young offensive coordinator, yet another Hall of Fame head coach to be Bill Walsh. Yes, yeah, that guy. Fouts went from throwing from, you got to remember the times, he threw, he, he was, uh, what, 1,400 yards? Not even quite that. It was like 1,398 or something like that. And only two touchdowns. And he almost more than doubled that, uh, throwing for 2,535 yards. 2,535 yards and 14 touchdowns. Now, the owner at the time was the man, he was Gene Klein. He was a dude that was not about that life of negotiating contracts. A contract was a contract. It's basically his belief. And you had to honor it to the very end. Wasn't no, all right, I did this, so I want to redo. No, there's no redoing. You either finish here or you can, you know, sit at the house, right? Fouts wanted to renegotiate his contract. Klein said, nope. The Chargers traded for James Harris and got him from the Rams. Fouts demands to be traded. Klein said, nope. (laughs) <laughs> and then Fouts actually retired. He actually retired. Uh, that 77 season, that was wild uh, for the Chargers. And uh, Harris, he ends up getting hurt, what, nine games in? They're having to start a rookie at quarterback, Cliff Orlander. Fouts comes out of retirement in week 11 to finish the season. Weird. Ah. And just like the St. Louis Cardinals, the Chargers also finished 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, 1978... Tommy Proto resigns four games into the season. Don Coryell is named the head coach. Now, since his San Diego State days, Coryell's philosophy was to pass in order to set up the run. Of course, we see that a lot now. You know, it's not something that's uh, necessarily uh, something new now. I mean, back then, it was three yards in a cloud of dust. You have to understand, if you don't already, the philosophy of the NFL professional football. The AFL was throwing the football. The NFL was running the football still. They didn't believe in throwing the football a whole lot. They was kind of stuck in a little bit of a caveman type state. The reason, one of the biggest reasons, other than, well, I mean, you could say the television contracts that the AFL got, but the reason why they got those contracts and it led to their popularity and them being the longest uh, of the, let's just call it, the, the, come, the leagues on the come up, professional football leagues on the come up, why it lasted more than any of the ones in the past was because of the pass. They were throwing the football. It was more exciting to see. And that was Coryell's philosophy. He brought that exact same philosophy to San Diego. And it helped that pro throw one and three team in that 78 season. They finished eight and four under Coryell. They featured running back Lydell Mitchell, uh, a fullback by the name of Don Woods, and also receivers John Jefferson and Charlie Joyner. Now, Coryell, as head coach in 1978, as a whole, the team just finished 9-7, okay? They would then go on a legendary run for the next four seasons. And I'm guessing, uh, I thought about this because I, I read something I did not know. You know, with Gene Klein and him not wanting to negotiate contracts or break contracts, I just wonder if Bill Walsh hadn't become the head coach at Stanford in 1977. He actually asked Klein if the head coaching position would be open soon. This is in 77. Klein said a deal is a deal, and he was bound to honor it. I mean, I guess you could say it kind of 
worked out. I really worked out for Bill because he's in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, and he won Super Bowls after he became the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, a dynasty of the 80s. Well, in 1978, this is also key. The rules, they opened up the passing game, right? You had the five-yard chuck rule. You know, you can't touch a receiver after five yards. And then also, if you ever seen somebody, you know, do like a chicken, bok, 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 you know, with the elbows flapping up and down and their fists balled up in front of their chest. Well, that's how offensive linemen used to block. That I, I still, it's just hard to watch. And when you allow them to extend their arms, that really, really helped uh, pass protecting. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Pass protection was a lot better because they were able to use their hands and use their arms. Hash marks were also moved in to align with the goalpost. It gave the offense more room to work. Now, 1979, I got to go to my papers. I got notes all over the place. If I miss something, I just miss something. Look, all right, I'm doing this thing. So this was Don Coryell's first season as the Chargers head coach. They would finish 12-4, and and they made the playoffs now throughout his his tenure and this is before and even after he had some really good coaches on his staff he had guys like ernie zampisi who was the wide receivers coach he also coached quarterbacks and was the pass game coordinator joe gibbs for the little bit that he was there was the offensive coordinator and then they have another offensive coordinator by the name of larry weaver that's larry with an e l-a-r-r-y-e um and Fouts became the second quarterback in the history of the NFL to pass for over 4,000 yards. I believe Joe Namath had threw for 4,002. Well, Fouts passed that up. He threw for 4,082. They had the number one, actually, I think it was the number two, scoring defense in the league. This was key. Very, very key. Um, especially early on for those teams. So, when they go to the first playoff game they're in the playoffs and it did not end the way that they wanted to they played the houston oilers in the opening round there was no dan pastorini who was the starting quarterback there was no earl campbell that's all i need to say well vernon perry defensive back for the oilers picked dan fouts off four times they lost 17 to 14 even after four interceptions that team, you see, I mean, they held Houston to 17 points. I mean, it does help when there's no Earl Campbell. But this was a season where they turned teams over. They were, I think, number two in points allowed and number two in yards allowed. Uh, and overall, I believe they were the top, you know, they were the top defense uh, scoring-wise. But, I mean, the pieces were in place going forward. You had Dan Fouts, who ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They had Charlie Joyner, who was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now. And they acquired him via trade in 1975 from the, from the Bengals. Lydell Mitchell had come over in 78 from the Baltimore Colts via trade. John Jefferson, he was the 14th overall pick in the 78 draft for the Chargers. And then there was 
Kellen Winslow, who would come in in 1979 as a first-round rookie. He wasn't starting yet, though. He was not in the starting lineup yet. But the key, according to Dan Fouts, was actually the Chargers' offensive line. They had four-time Pro Bowler, who was also acquired via trade, Ed White. Five-time Pro Bowler, Russ Washington. And three-time Pro Bowler, Doug Wilkerson. They also had left tackle Billy Shields and center Don Mazik. So they they were they were they had pieces there. Defensively, you had guys like Fred Dean, Gary Johnson, um, you had free safety Glenn Edwards, linebacker Ray P, uh, Preston. They were like I said, they were the number two scoring defense and number five actually in yards. Faust was an all-pro, so was John Jefferson, Charlie Joyner made the Pro Bowl, but it all came to a screeching halt, uh, you know, in that 1979 season, and it didn't work out. So the next year, in 1980, they were 11 and five. They had all pros again. Kellen Winslow, his first year starting, he had led. They had led the league in like everything. <laughs> Offensively, they just could not be stopped. Winslow, his first year—I mean, his second year, his first year as a starter—had tight end records. Set tight end records for receptions and yards. It was wild. Uh, he was an all pro. So was Jefferson and Joyner. You had three, you had two wide receivers and your tight end. They were all all pros. They were all pros. That's 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 phenomenal, right? So anyway, they of course they they were ended up with home field and they ended up in the Pro Bowl. I mean, excuse me, in the playoffs. This team had 3,000-yard receivers. Winslow, i just read you their numbers. Winslow had 89 catches for 1,290 yards. J.J. Jefferson, 82 catches for 1,340 yards. Charlie Joyner had 71 catches for 1,132 yards, which rated first, second, and third in the AFC in receptions. Wow. Only problem was they got to the playoffs. Oh, you know, I talked to this. Uh, talk, talk to this point um, with my former Bills, uh, my my co-worker, Ken Johnson, and he played for Buffalo. You know, he was in his second year. He was drafted in 79 himself. Um, he said that, uh, you know, they made some mistakes. I just sum it up that way. And they did make some mistakes. Uh, the, the playoff game against the Bills, they actually beat the Bills. They were down 14 to 3. Came back and won 20 to 14, which ended up being the Chargers' first playoff win since 1963. But then they turn around and they lose to the Oakland Raiders the week after that in the uh, uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. And it's like 34 to 27. Uh, they ended up being the Super Bowl champs. So I mean, what are you going to do? You know, they ended up going off to the AFC Championship. I think they beat. The, uh, the Cleveland Browns in the AFC Championship game in that cold. And uh, they won the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl 15 champ. So, it, it, again, another playoff failure. Well, 1981, their defense wasn't so good. Okay? They were 10-6 and six in 1981. 1981, they had a guy by the name of Chuck Muncie to come over from the Saints. This dude ran for over 1,100 yards. I mean, this, year, th this year, this was the year that they just i mean they just ran through everybody and it wasn't even funny they set offensive records left and right that year and it even came from not just the receivers and throwing but it came from the ground game chuck muncie ran for 1100 yards and 19 touchdowns which i believe was a, it tied an nfl record they were the number one offense 
in the league, okay? Now, J.J. Jefferson had been traded away to the Green Bay Packers, and you have Wes Chandler that came in, right? James Brooks, a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans know him as being the running back, you know, later on, uh, going in, from, you know, late 80s, going into the 90s. Well, you know, Brooks was a rookie with the Air Coryell Chargers at the time, and he had 2,093 all-purpose yards, and that led the league. That's rushing, receiving. That's 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 catching. Uh, that that's the punt returns and kickers. That's he was a return man too. So I mean, the guy was was awesome doing the job that he did. But the issue though with this team was defense. They were 26 in yards, 27th in points given up. It doesn't help though when you trade away Fred Dean to the San Francisco 49ers during the first half of the season and in the playoffs. Uh, you couldn't have had two more different games weather-wise, <laughs> they, but they were distinct in their own right in the history of the NFL. Playoff game number one, the Epic against Miami, and then playoff game number two, the Freezer Bowl in the AFC Championship. They got to the AFC Championship that year. One day we'll go deeper into these games, but for now, I'll just give you the Cliffs notes. The Epic at Miami against the Dolphins, the Chargers had a 24 to nothing lead in the lead in the fourth, uh, excuse me, the first quarter. Now the Chargers apparently, I'll, I'll tell you this part. I read in one of my great books. <laughs> uh, he was Charlie Joyner sitting on the sideline with his head down, and he's looking a little like this ain't good. Even though his team's up 24 to nothing, his team is celebrating all low uh, already. I think it was Kellen Winslow that went to him. It's like, dude, what's wrong? Uh, and he's like, look, you don't do this to a Don Shula team. Well, yeah, Don Shula, and he had a plan in his back pocket and he pulled it out and that plan was Don Strzok. Shula, the legend, changes quarterbacks. David Woolley, you go to the bench. Don Strzok, let's go. The Dolphins offense woke up they tied the game at 24 by the time that uh, you know the half uh, was over with. Um, at halftime, they had closed to a 24 to 17. You know, they only had, the Chargers only had a 24 to 17 lead. And from you know the teams, the, the two teams were back and forth going into overtime. The Chargers won the game 41 to 38, but Kellen Winslow was the hero. He had a playoff record at the time with 13 catches, 166 yards, and he also blocked. UA Von Shaman's 43-yard field goal attempt to force overtime in the first place. And that was some serious heat down in Florida that day. And Winslow, he had gave everything. He basically had cramps that were so bad in both legs, he had to be helped off the field. That frozen photo of him being carried off the field with the towel on his head is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The next week, though, I'll keep this short. The Chargers lost the Freezer Bowl to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was nine below zero and a wind chill factor of 59 below zero. Burr. Yeah, can you say burr? So it, it, it didn't, didn't end the way that they wanted to end at all. But 1982, the strike shortened season, they were six and three. The next year, they were six and three. They had nine all pros that season and seven pro bowlers. So what was the problem? You know, and they beat, beat Pittsburgh in the wild card game, um, you know, going into play in the playoffs. They were averaging 32 points per game. Fouts was really on a tear. I mean, there wasn't enough games to throw for 4,000 yards that season, but he would have done it. But just keep this in mind, from 79 to 1983, 
the San Diego Chargers led the league in passing yards every single year. Six years straight. That's an NFL record. I'll get that out the way now. But Fouts was actually throwing for 320 yards per game. He was on a pace to throw for over 5,100 yards. 5,100. This is in 1982. And then there was Charlie Joyner. Joyner was averaging 129 yards per game. Nobody had averaged that before. He was on pace to have over 2,000 yards receiving. So, you know, what happened? They got to the playoffs. They beat Pittsburgh. But then they ran into Miami. Why did they lose 34 to 13? Seven turnovers. Seven turnovers. I mean, I, that, that, that is what you cannot do. You cannot do. We'll get to more of that for in a second. When you had all of this offense, you had a 6'5", 260-pound tight end that was playing like a wide receiver. He was the guy that was leading the league in receptions two years in a row, uh, leading the league in yards and everything. And keep this in mind also, from 1979 to 1982, the LA, Char the LA Chargers, the San Diego Chargers led the league in pass yards. This is averaging 282 yards points to 282.7 yards per game all right nearly 283 yards per game they led the league in with 107 touchdowns 84 rushing touchdowns and they averaged 28 points per game all of that led the league but from 79 to 82 they committed 19 turnovers and four playoff losses 19 you can't turn the football over and win a championship it's just not possible you cannot do it you can't do it so you know it, it all ended at on the highest of of highs and they had the lowest of lows because they couldn't keep turning the football over seven turnovers in one game alone and i told you the first playoff game they played in 1979 fouts through four picks that's not great that's not great so you know 1983 uh, to 1986, Coryell was still there, but everything just got worse and worse. 83, they were six and ten. 84, they were seven and nine. And 85, they were eight and eight. And 86, they were four and twelve. Um, it was over by 1983. It, it really was. I could throw my papers away with all the records and the yards and all those 4,000 yard passing seasons that Fouts had in his career. I mean. You can't do it. You can't turn the football over and win a championship. But they were great. You cannot doubt in your mind that they were great. It's no coincidence that five of the ten members of the San Diego Chargers that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, whether players or coach, were part of that franchise between 1978 and 1983. I think Don Coryell actually finished as a finalist this year, this August, uh, according to ESPN. And, um, you know, he, he never made it in. He didn't, he hasn't made it in yet. I think that he will. Uh, but the years that he coached there, at least those four years alone, that was greatness personified. They did not do that until, they did not have that success until he got there. And after a one in seven, I think I said four games in, but one in seven starting 86, 
he was fired. Um, they had to move on, and pretty much they were on a downward slope already. Uh, they didn't even get back to winning, I think, around eight games until 1992. Uh, Fouts, he retired after the 87 season. Kellen Winslow, he suffered a knee injury against the Raiders in 1984. Uh, and I read where the doctor said that his knee looked like spaghetti. That's what the ligaments looked like when he opened him up, operated him on, or operated on him for uh, well over two hours. Um, Chuck Muncie, he was in 1984 season, second game of the season. He was actually supposed to catch the team charter to Seattle to play the Seahawks, and he claimed someone slashed all his tires. Coryell did not believe him, sent him home. Uh, they ended up two days later trading him to the Miami Dolphins, but he failed the PP test. Why? Because he had cocaine in his system. It's funny, I read another uh, Sports Illustrated article on Gene Klein, why he got out of football. And basically, it was that he had, uh, he was tired of dealing with, you know, what owners had to deal with, <laughs> you know, and part of it was players and contracts and all of that stuff too. But he claimed after that win against Miami in the Epic, that yet there was a player, I can't remember if he named him or not, but there was a player or players that attained some cocaine and they were doing it on the plane on the way back. He's saying that they were in a fog in that freezer bowl. <laughs> I would think that would have woke him up <laughs> nine degrees, you know what I mean? <laughs> but they weren't right <laughs> trying to play football if they still had coke in their system. Cocaine was a big thing, you know, in the, in the 70s and the 80s, especially in the 80s. Um, but, uh, I mean, that was a problem. It was a problem in sports, period. And, you know, maybe, maybe that didn't help very much, right? So, um, Wes Chandler, he was traded to the 49ers in 88, but he had knee issues and retired in October. They won, the 49ers won the Super Bowl that year. He would have got a ring, <laughs> and he stuck with it. Wow. Uh, he retired. John Jefferson, he retired in 1986. He was waived by the Houston Oilers, his third team, after he was traded to the Packers in 81. And he actually played for the Browns, before, you know, as well. Uh, Charlie Joyner, Pro Football Hall of Famer, he retired as a Charger in 1986 at the age of 39. He was the oldest receiver at the time to have played that long. Of course, Jerry Rice, you know, <laughs> he blew by that. You he just would not stop playing. I love you, Jerry. If you ever listen to my show, you're my favorite player ever, and I would love to meet you, man. But, yeah, Charlie Joyner, great Hall of Fame wide receiver. So, that's it. That's This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. Uh, but, uh, oh, I can't do that yet, right? <laughs> Got to get to those references. All right, first of all, thanks to ProFootballHallOfFame.com, ProFootballReference.com. Also, uh, two websites all in one, SB Nation as well as dogbynature.com. This was written by Barry Shuck, October 10th, uh, 2018. The Chargers, once known as or Air Coryell. Also, LA Times, Vikings, Chuck Muncie retires to get life in order. By the way, I didn't say this, but Muncie actually tried to come back, I think in 1985, which this was dated September 12th, 1985. And they played in the last, what was it, exhibition game before he just called it quits. He never played in the league again. Never did. Uh, also, on YouTube, uh, that was a pretty, pretty interesting uh, video I watched. With the NFL throwback, this one was narrated by Elliot Harrison. Also, 
two books, America's Game, the NFL at 100. Love you, love you, love this book. Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams are the co-authors and also the Sporting News Complete Super Bowl book, 1993 edition. You've heard this before. Editors, Tom Dinert, Joe Hoppel, and Dave Sloan. This has been, now I can say it, the Behind the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Billy of Sports, also the Billy of Sports podcast network. <laughs> also, BillyofSports.com. Check us out. Click on the link. Read the stories. Listen to the shows. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. (laughs) Tell all your friends and family about the show or I will find your house. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.